Joe Moe. Yes. My friend, this is Jay Michaels. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Not bad. If I'm on the line, you're on the air. I am. Well, that's great. I'm happy to be on here. <laughs> I'm walking on your air. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm fine in my quarantine here in Harwood, California. <laughs> but it's a beautiful day. Just the kind of day that makes you want to disobey the CDC and get out there. But I'm not going to. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was drawing your breath to say just that. Please don't. Uh, I would never. You become the monster movie USO. Uh, every every moment you pop up on my Facebook and and you're 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 suggesting another movie, another another site, another uh, anything, another book, another novelist. Wow, they should put you on the payroll. We're going to need uh, we're going to need suggestions. So I've I've reached deep into my so bad the good movies and my you know have you seen these obscure gems that I like you know through life and. You know, we've got to sort of direct each other to all of these uh, uncharted territories while we survive this uncharted territory. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Uncharted. Well put. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I giggle, and I'm sure you've thought the same thing. Somehow we're, bo- we're both living a horror movie now. The whole world is living is living everything from The Last Man on Earth to, uh, uh, to Pandemic. Yep. Yep. We just need a giant kaiju to come and start stomping on buildings and we'll... I think that happens over the summer. I think I think that's on the schedule for that. Uh, how's it going for you? Uh, now you are uh, you you are uh, the Day of the Dead convention. You you are synonymous with that, uh, as as well as everything f- since since Forry Ackerman first uh, donned the Dracula ring. Uh, uh, you have been in the spotlight there. Tell our listeners a little what's going on. Uh, who who you are? Let's start there. Well, you know, I like like most of your listeners, like uh, like you, Jay. I'm, I was a fan. You know, I just came to discover horror films, uh, fantasy, science fiction, the genre back in the sixties and seventies when it was really just emerging. And I was uh, one of those kids who benefited benefited from the big bang of famous monsters of filmland coming on the scene, which was the magazine edited by our hero and mentor Forrest J. Ackerman and published by James Waring, the mm-hmm. great innovative publisher in New York. And uh, that magazine, for me, and much bigger people than me, named Spielberg and Guillermo del Toro and Tim Burton and Anne Rice and all of these people who are household names. I think all of us were kids back then, um, you know, wishing that we could be part of the scene. And this magazine, uh, while it was a niche monster magazine, as an entertainment magazine, it was one of the first uh, movie magazines that turned the spotlight away from the movie stars toward the people that made movies. And all kinds of kids right. like me and Rick Baker said, hey, you know, I'm going to drop out of medical school. I'm going to be a makeup artist. And, you know, <laughs> seven Oscars later, here's our Rick Baker, our girl. And so um, that's where I came from. And I just lucked out in timing um, came to Horrorwood, Hollywood, um, and met Forrest J. Ackerman. Um, at a time when he really needed a lot of help and uh, was getting up there in age and uh, the alchemy of our two personalities sort of just meshed and, and um, I went over to his house like many fans did one Saturday to visit and I just never left. I just decided I could help him and hang out and we became best friends to the day he died. And and you now uh, you now have picked you've now picked up that mantle quite quite brilliantly. 
in in the little time I know you, it's like I said, you are you are the personality now to to speak to in terms of this. Uh, uh, what is Day of the Dead? Tell uh, tell everybody what Day of the Dead is. Day of the Dead is uh, one of many terrific horror conventions. Um, and for those of you listening to Jay's show, I'm sure that you, you have an idea what a horror convention is. But for those of you who might not, a horror convention is like any other convention. It's a meeting of like-minded people. But in the case of horror, uh, which is one of the most creative, literate, and um, kind of writing uh, genre hobbies in the world, um, it's a bunch of people who aspire to participate in all the creepy, fine, whimsical stuff they love getting together in a room full of people that are vending products that, that uh, are aimed at that, um, that hobby and, and that uh, passion. And also a lot of the celebrities who have been in films that we've loved. And add to that some directors and writers and other creative people. It becomes a great community of people um, who, you know, are, are as much superstars as they are fans like the rest of us. And uh, you go to one of these and you leave with lifelong friends and as I always say, if you go to a horror convention, particularly Days of the Dead, which has its foot in classic horror as well as contemporary horror, and is all about fans first, you either are happy, happy that you came and you'll never forget it, or you'll never miss another one. That's sort of the beauty of horror cons. Now, now when you say one of, you, uh, Day of the Dead seems to, to go from place to place. It's, it's quite the prevalent convention, am I right? It is. We travel uh, to many cities. And, you know, that can change depending on uh, data availability. Right now we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, um, Las Vegas, Nevada, and Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so um, we try to go where the most fans can congregate from surrounding areas. And uh, many people look at these shows as the one time, maybe two times a year, that they get to be with uh, they're like-minded friends uh, and uh, make memories together and, you know, get themselves filled up with all kinds of monster videos for the year. It's it's funny you say that when I first walked into my first Famous Monsters of Filmland convention about mm-hmm. two or three hundred years ago, uh, <laughs> I, I looked around and I said, I am not alone. At that point, there was no internet, no. so so it was just me in my room with my monsters, and suddenly I realized my room is all across the country. And, and it yep. was. And Jay, I have heard that same story from everybody from Guillermo del Toro to, I mean, you know, all of these people will tell you I thought I was the only one. And in our case, Foyakaman introduced us to each other, and, you know, uh, it's gone on from there. And now, you know, we nerds have taken over and are winning Oscars. So that's we've come quite a way. The geek shall inherit the earth. Um, uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, I think we're going back to the original there because we're all alone in our rooms right now. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. You are to be commended because, like I said, you're getting out there any way possible. How has it affected you? Uh, the convention is prevalent, and now it's it's obviously it can't be. Uh, how has all this affected you? Are you still with me? I'm still here. Oh, how has it affected me? Well, you know... Um Social media surely is an is a incredible boon to, to, you know, us in general, but especially in this time when we have to be reclusive. And for me, the conventions were very important because it's a way to interface with people and inspire new fans to participate. But um, I luckily, and coincidentally, have just this year started a, a project 
that is sort of my own personal famous Monsters of Filmland. Um, it's called the Days of the Dead Fanthology series. Mm-hmm. And basically, basically what I've done, um, and this, this will come full circle, I promise, to answer your question. What I've done is I've created a series of anthologies that are made by fans for fans where anyone can submit a 2,500-word or less story, a horror, you know, story, and uh, we will edit it, have give notes, go back and forth a little bit, collaborate, and if you're accepted, you get to be published in one of the five editions we publish, which are connected to the brick-and-mortar shows. So you can write a story for the Atlanta uh, show or the Vegas show and on and on. And if you do get accepted as one of the maybe 15 or 16 writers, and you get published in hard copy. You get a copy of your book for free. You can buy as many of them as you want for $1.50 above cost. But most, most excitingly, you can attend the show as our guest. With a, you know, you and a friend. And you get to come to a signing. And <laughs> you're published and on shelves and, you know, digitally available. And uh, this is a great Kickstarter for people who, A, are writers who haven't had the opportunity to be published. And B, the people who never knew they were writers to become writers. Um, it's all predicated on my belief that I um, have developed since observing for you that everybody is responsible to themselves for, for have, finding their voice. And then once they find it, they're kind of obligated to the rest of us to share it. So that is my driving force right now. And I can do that from home as well as at the convention. So I'm happily promoting that. That's really terrific. So, so I... I, I here I was going to get serious and talk all about what's going on, but but I'm going to I'm going to segue first. This is amazing. You are handing this opportunity. How many people out there have that? You know, we all talk about having the great American novel in our head. How many people out there have that one little horror story, that one little thing that happened to them that can be turned into the the a few pages of fright? And now you're giving them the mm-hmm. opportunity to actually do that. I think that's incredible. Oh, that's it's been, wonderful. It's been incredibly rewarding. You know, Jay, as we get older, and I am that person getting older, growing up there more, more, many more years behind me than in front of me, um, it's really been rewarding to find something that actually does perpetuate what Foy did for me in my own personal way that, that I could pass on to fans, and that is just encouraging them to throw, the, throw their bat in the ring, but also, you know, the end product is that they get a readership, and they get the experience of signing their name in books that are signed with the show, and they get the the support and the encouragement of a publisher, Nicholas Grabowski at Black Bedsheet Books, who really wants to promote literacy in our genre as well as discover new writers, and Bill Philpott, who does Days of the Dead, the promoter for Days of the Dead, who has been just posted this and just given us carte blanche to, to put these out. Um, we've done two so far. Uh, this is our first year, so Georgia Screeches. The Atlanta version is already out on Amazon, and you can also get Nevada Necromance, which just launched it. Uh, yeah, and next next up, Scary Indiana. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, uh, I'd love for you to come to New York. Can't wait to hear what, what, what that's going to sound like. Yeah, well, you know, as long as we have four in our hearts, the puns will never stop which means the groans will keep coming. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing. Uh, uh, Do you have a favorite horror fun? Do you remember? A favorite horror? Um, mm-hmm. You know what? It took... I, I have no real favorite, but my the thing that got me uh, as a kid, and I can't believe how long it took me, He his nickname was Dr. Acula. 
and That's and right. and for the longest time, I, I can't even tell you how stupid I was as a kid because I would look and go, Doctor Acula. Oh, maybe he's a maybe he was a, a doctor in before he did art books. I don't know. And then one day, I, I I don't even remember how it was. I just looked at it and went, Doctor Dracula. Okay, I'm an idiot. And then suddenly it just it just dawned on me. So so I, I guess that's my favorite pun because it just showed how dense I could truly be when 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 my I'm not careful. Tory my favorite Tory gag that I every time he said it, I would just crack up, dude. At some point or another in a tour or something. And this is the teenage girl who wrote Frankenstein, Mary Shelley. Uh, I don't know if Frankenstein ever wrote back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he he had the other one where it, he's he's Forrest J Ackerman, but he's not really. There's no middle name to him, and and yet uh, when someone asks what the middle name stands for, he says Jehovah, and you're a witness. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, I, yeah, he had a million. I think I heard him say that at one of the so conventions. Was he? Yeah. Oh yeah, my god, he was painfully shy in the first uh, science fiction convention he traveled to because you know Forrest's passion was sci-fi. Right before he got really into monsters. I believe it was 1939, the World Science Fiction maybe the first one in New York. Wow. Where he also, he and Myrtle Douglas, his, his girlfriend, are credited with creating cosplay because they dressed up in the first costumes and went to that show. But, of course. Of uh, course he told did. me on the way to New York on that train, he nearly got off six times. He was so painfully shy and, and terrified of, of, of someone making him speak in public. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he got off the train, and, uh, you know, some of the fans that he'd only ever corresponded with met him at the train station, and he said he was really shell-shocked and didn't know what to do, but he was sort of snapped out of that when a young Phil Hornbluth, one of his fellow fans, came up to him with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, ashes dribbling down his chest, and said, so you're the Ackerman that writes all those stupid letters in the fans, and then punched him in the stomach. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. There's always a troll somewhere, even before there was video. There was even a troll. That's right. Uh, now, now you've become the Fory in this case. You are uh, you are leading this convention. You are giving the fans their opportunities. Have you met uh, Have you met many Joe Mo's along the way? Have you met the the next level of Have they contacted you? Have you seen the next level of of, of this generation? Especially now, I would think, because because obviously they have to be via, via the email and internet. Uh, have you yeah, have you met? They, I, most of you know my, my work right now and my my aim in getting people to be involved is is a very sort of what I was twenty years ago. It's kind of you have to be a self centered journey. You have to really try to find belief in yourself and to create and produce stuff. And it takes a lot of you know self awareness and focus. So I think the next you know next Johnny Appleseed of horror. You know I'm sure there are more. I know there are a lot more than me and Florence for all of us, but I'm sure that a lot of the people, I have no doubt that a lot of the people that I'm, I've been able to mentor and influence will ultimately one day sort of come to a point where they're, they've established themselves and doing what they, they love, will take a little turn as I have and find that you can compartmentalize your life and still do the narcissistic stuff that's really based on you wanting to get out there and, and speak. Right. And also split your time between, you know, encouraging other people to speak. So um, that's where I've arrived, and I know many, many of the people um, that have let me, you know, help them and, and be involved in their development will get there, and I have no 
That's great. That's great. I, I, I make a, a pithy joke to so many people, and I, I obviously said it to you. You would understand it even more when I say we are living this horror movie. When, when here we are in the middle of the Vincent Price movie from the 50s and everything, where, where you know, it, it, you look outside and, and the world is barren and, and there's some invisible monster coming after us and whatever. Do you think, uh, could you, would you suggest to all the writers out there that maybe it's time to, to start thinking of the new horror stories regarding this? Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, myself, I mean, I, I've been working and making money for somebody else for a decade. Um, I haven't had a vacation in, in 10 years. This is going to be it. Quarantine. Yeah. So I encourage everybody to, to put, you know, their fingers over their keyboards, you know, pick up a pencil, their paints, do whatever it takes to, to tell a story. This is a great time of self-reflection, uh, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And um, we also need all of our imagination to be stoked up because way beyond the genre and any particular story you want to tell, you know, the ability to imagine and create is what we use in every problem-solving, you know, opportunity that we have. And I've always said that about kids, you know, a world full of imagination is a world where there's not too many problems that can't be solved. And uh, maybe we adults need to revisit that and get reacquainted with our inner monster kid and, and, uh, think hard and learn long about what we can do to make things a little bit different out here. I'm so glad you said that. I've always felt this myself, and I wasn't sure whether I'm being selfish or whatever, but is it cathartic to write a story of such a monster like the ones right outside our window and eventually vanquish them as most as most horror stories do? Do you think it's a catharsis for all of us to sit down and, and figure out, even if it's on the fantastical level, how this can end, how we can survive? I do. And I also think the deeper you, you examine yourself in the context of horror in particular, which is such a rich and ripe, you know, subject, you, you know, you have to create creator, creature, victim, and they're all relative to us. We can all be each at different times in, in, in our day. And, and when you're really examining the nature of villainy and heroism and all of that, you begin to see a relationship to all of these characters. And I think that there needs to be an understanding of the people that we are most adverse to right now. This division in the country is one made up of people just like us. And the more we think about the fact that our bad guys have moms and sisters and brothers and husbands and boyfriends and girlfriends, as well as our heroes, I think that, you know, any way we can take away the partition when we're examining people in life and, you know, our, our impact on it and the way other people impact us, I think it can only help us in, in having a better quality of life is we have to walk through this forest of people every day. Once we get out of these houses, we're coming right back into it. Right. And it would be nice to think that we have a better understanding of each other at the end of this. What's, what's the one movie? My last question to you, what's the one, if, if there was only one that people should watch now, whether it's a feel-good, whether it's a, uh, it, it'll, it'll make you nervous, whatever, what's the one movie you would, you would tell people to watch? What's the one horror movie out there? You know, I've got to say it would be Bride of Frankenstein. And the reason <laughs> I pick Bride of Frankenstein is that, uh, like the best music that transcends language and everything else, Bride of Frankenstein is made by such an incredible artist. And it's composed of, of so many brilliant components that even though it's black and white, the emotional content, the 
subject matter, the morality tales, the characters, the craft involved in it is so thick and so rich, and there's so much to wade through and appreciate. And I think it's good to reflect. And it would be good to, to take a look at something the way some of us do Shakespeare that never loses its potency if you give it a chance and you let it, you let it fester and seep in a bit. I think that movie could benefit a lot of people just uh, on, on a storytelling and sort of, uh, you know, relative nature. We don't look back too often in America, and I think that's a good thing to look back on. I'm so glad you said that. I, um, I'm, I'm a hammer guy. Whenever someone says your favorite movie, I say something from Hammer Films, but but if someone were to say possibly the greatest horror movie, I would agree with you and say Bride of Frankenstein. It's, it is Shakespearean. It is science fiction. There is comedy yeah. in there. There is the human experience. We watch, uh, we watch ironies like uh, the relationship between the monster and his bride, between the doctors. We, we, meet, we meet all of society right there in this, in this strange little castle. And even the ending, uh, as, as contrived as it might be, it, the ironies of it are incredible. And in the heart of it, there's a sympathetic creature who didn't ask to be made and who was made, you know, in the image of, of another person, you know, who had someone else's will opposed on, upon him and is struggling for the very same things all of us want with huge, huge boundaries and huge obstacles. And, and that's a struggle we all feel, which is why I relate. You've just given me food for thought also. Joe, thank you so much. It, it's been a pleasure sure. speaking to you again. Uh, I had such a good time with you on Terror Talk. I'm, I'm so glad I had a chance me to connect. I, I look forward to many more when maybe we'll be out of our houses and, and things like that. Yep. At, at, the, at the Day of the Dead, at least. Yep, always here for you, all my fellow fans. Um, got to stick together. We're a great example of a community that can really elevate each other and the people around us. So, onward. Indeed. Thanks, pal. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Ciao.